0: So whenever that happens, what I try to do is put together as much data as I can and build a story around that data that shows them exactly what is it that they're missing out on, right? Because it's, yes, I mean, you could be gaining a lot, but for some business leaders, it's about like what you're missing out you're missing out on attracting talent, you're missing out and selling your product to the audience that you want, you're missing out on retaining your talent. And it's instead of saying like, you know what, like if you were going to do this, like you are going to be able to hire more people or whatever that is. And for whatever reason, and that's like human psychology of
1: Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences when joined together by a common set of ideals makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity.
2: Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close-to-home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can
0: help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at Kirkwood.edu slash find your future. What up? What up? What
1: up, world? We back again. It's top rank breaking barriers of and B podcast. Brought to you by your five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, and our civil diversity sponsor, PG Cares. Thank you so much for your support. I'm your co-host, Anthony Harrington. I'm here with my partners in crime, Mr. Nick Ford and Joy Briscoe. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Hey, hey. Nick, Nick, you found this great host for us today. You should tell how you found her by accident too. So, You should talk about it. So tell us about our host so who we got on today. So we
2: have Danny Herrera, and actually, it's we kind of met by accident. Um, we we uh, we had Anthony and I had been in a, a certification class for a Certified Diversity Executive, and there was a Danielle in there that was part of Ferrera Chocolate, and when I went to find her, it was you. And then I started reading your stuff like, oh, this this is cool. This is even better. I love this. This is awesome. The <laughs> stuff you're doing out there, and uh, and watching you grow. Over about th- three, four years yeah. now, I think we've been connected online, watching you grow from from what you were doing earlier and just kind of talking your truth and then, you know, kind of getting into the more messaging out, you know, which which is really neat to see. So I'm, I'm really excited about this today. So, yeah, yeah. Tell um, us
1: about her
3: background.
2: Especially with all our unique <laughs> ties to New York as well, where she's at now. Yeah. So, all right. So we're trying not to make her blush too much here. So uh, Danny is an award-winning EDI professional with 17 plus years of experience in talent operations, recruitment, leadership, and people management. She is committed to building cultures that attract and retain talent with uh, from historically excluded communities, uh, constructing strategies that foster inclusion and belonging and processes that minimize biases. Some of the questions I'll we'll ask her later will be about that from a recent article she just wrote. Uh, she is director of recruitment operations and EDI at RGA, a co-chair of RGA's Latin employee resource group the awareness and advocacy founding partner at Allies and Recruiting, one of the founding members at the Talent Alliance, and one of the EDI panelists for the NASA Astrophysics, the IDEA Practitioners Database. Actually, the first one I saw with that. Out of I've seen, about a dozen of us types mm-hmm. out there now. I'm nervous to apply for that. I don't know. <laughs> um, she's also a speaker, a career coach, and a content creator on LinkedIn. Some really amazing stuff that she's been putting on there lately. Uh, Danny was born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. But has been working in New York City for the last uh, six plus years. She's been published in Forbes, HR Brew, The Drum. Oh my gosh, uh, Joy, but I, I do not speak Spanish. I'm sorry, Danny. Yeah, uh,
1: Nacion. There
2: okay. we go. And so many other publications. Uh, she also has been an international speaker at events, including XSSW, Lesbian Who Tech, TechUria, Manifest Equity, among others. So, welcome, Danny. We're really happy to have you with us today. And I'm um, ready to get going. This is going to be exciting. So. So let's get right into yeah, it.
0: thank you so so much for having me. That was a mouthful. I didn't know that we were
3: reading players, and that's all you. That no, is this but this show's about you. So, no, it's um, a
2: lot. It is. It is. Uh, you know, Joy, and I always laugh by that too because our time in the military is transitioning that into what is compact after 20 years of it. Or I think, Joy, you were what six, 15, 16, and it, it's mm-hmm. just it's it is. It's like holy cow. So <laughs> I start cutting stuff out. Yep. Yeah. So. But it's amazing accomplishments, yeah. and like I said, it's really been a lot of fun for me personally to watch your growth, even in that just in the last you know few years. Yeah. Um, like us, you know, you were in this before George Floyd and stuff like that. So, you know, it's kind of neat to see. And also, we start our firm as a recruiting company, and you're also recruiting-centric uh, in a lot of ways too. So, it's very relevant a lot of the stuff that we read and see mm-hmm. that that you talk about as well. So, um, Anthony, That's I think I think you have our, our lead-off question. Well, I
1: got lots of questions for Danny, let's, let's start. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: <I> got... <laughs> let's, let's go.
3: Let's do it.
1: Something that was interesting. You, you, I, I, when I was reading some of your information and, and researching, you said about yourself that uh, being intentionally inclusive has always come naturally to you. And and you said, even when you didn't even know the exact words um, you knew that this is EDI and E work uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion work is what you were meant to do. You know, so uh, tell me how you, how you knew that. What, what made you, come to that. Because I think, you know, I know I landed in this space by accident doing this work for a living, but it's interesting. I always say, I think, I think I was destined to it because my uncle Diedrich Doolin was a social justice lawyer for so many years and I was around it all the time. So how did, how did you know that this was what you were supposed to do?
0: Yeah. So thank you for that question. And And every time that I get it, it's actually a little hard to explain because it's like something that I've always done naturally, but let me try to break it down a little bit. So as you said, I was, I was born and raised in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And unfortunately, still today, the conversation about diversity, equity and inclusion and race and ethnicity and gender, it's, it's still not at the same level as it is here. Honestly, the conversation about D and i in Argentina is just like getting started. And it's, it's at a completely different stage, completely different level. So I want to say like maybe 15 years ago, when I was, doing recruiting, just regular recruiting, um, I would always look for ways, first of all, to make the process itself inclusive, even though I didn't know that that was what I was trying to do. And I was always trying to get and attract an interview and hire, between a millionaire quotes, diverse talent, right? So again, maybe 15 or 17 years ago, I was trying to partner with organizations that focused on... Uh, getting more women in technology or people with disabilities or trying to mm-hmm. connect with older generations for roles in the advertising industry that usually tend to be a little bit more unfortunately ageist, if you may so that's how it started and then when I had the privilege to move here to to New York I realized that the work that I was doing had a different name in a different industry and yes i was still doing recruiting but it was it was not between again a millionaire quotes the regular recruiting that all of my colleagues were doing it was something different so that's that's basically when i learned that diversity and inclusion was an industry and a discipline that i could work on
1: cool cool so
2: what's i have a quick question so again i've been to south america but not argentina um Brazil wants on a port visit but um, what is it like what is di like that for our listeners what is it is it is it more like shadism like you see in the Caribbean or is it with the indigenous people what is where are they at
3: uh, it's
0: so hard to explain I would say that as of now the conversation around the AD and I it's mostly around gender
3: okay.
0: um, and even even then it's just about binary gender no, I'm generalizing because if you look back, like Argentina was one of the first countries to legalize um, LGBTQ marriage, and one yep. of the first countries to legalize having your non-binary identity and your um, in your national identity card, if you may so there are things that are being done but when it comes to like the population the conversation it's not it's not there yet it's not embedded into the systems it's not a conversation that happens all the time and even with race and ethnicity it is a very very complicated topic <laughs> to to bring up with with anyone back in argentina and, and i'm just gonna go ahead and say it um if you were to ask a regular Argentinian they would tell you very like they're very convinced that in Argentina there are no black people and that we never had black people which is of course not true but that's what we learned at school Mm -hmm. and if you walk around we we are not as diverse as we are here in the United States so the conversation is at a completely different level um, usually, when someone tries to bring in these topics to the table, they're met with a lot of resistance, and it is it is hard. Like even just, I want to say maybe a month ago, give or take, like during the World Cup, there is this amazing. I think she's a writer, an author, and a journalist, um, and she is from Texas, I believe. And she has a history book about Black history in Argentina, uh-huh. and she wrote this amazing article about why we are not, why don't we see Black players in the Argentinian like team mm-hmm. during the World Cup? And that that was that was a hellhole for that person. I'm so sorry for her because my my. My friends in Argentina and every single person didn't take that lightly, that that wasn't a music conversation. So that's that's where we are. So just to go back and, and answer your question, I would say that E.D. and I in Argentina is mostly about gender. We're like mm-hmm. dipping our toes into other
4: topics, but yeah, it's it's been hard. How does that impact you though? Because you are a person that's forward thinking. You're a person now that you've got, I, I'm a person, I love language, right? Like I love when you, you've you been doing something, but then you identify like what the language is. Like you are like, oh, what I've been doing is EDI, right? And so now I have the language and it kind of empowers you in some way because then you have a way of communicating what your mission is, what your own personal core values are. But when you come up with that things in your lineage and back in, in, in Argentina haven't progressed at the rate that you've progressed or the things that you're seeing, how does that impact you? Because even in Iowa, it's kind of similar here. Yes. Where we have, le- right? We've led the way yeah. in some things where we were like, we're championing these things. And mm-hmm. even now, when I think of some of the, the I- I'm proud to be an Iowan, and I'm sure mm-hmm. if there are uh, Afro-Latinas from, or would it be, what's the terminology, would it be if they're from Argentina and yes. black? Yes. So, yeah, again, it would really depend on the person, but I
0: would say like Afro-Latina would be, mm-hmm. would be the The main word that they're using right now, perfect.
4: Yeah, because I'm gonna be respectful. But like, they, it's always weird because you have this strong sense of pride about your country, your state, the thing that you've been connected to for the good things that you've seen. But then there's also this almost denial of a part of you or acknowledgement of this part of you. So how does that show up in the work that you do? How does that? push you forward or does it give you pause or how do you operate in that space that is an amazing question thank you um to be honest it really
0: pushes me forward so and and as you said i mean part of my identity sometimes i have in in a way kind of to like divide myself and trying to figure out like who am i talking to and and how can i bring this conversation to a level that the other person will understand so whenever i'm doing work for Argentina and in Argentina, that, that is that is a very different conversation. Like even my family right. and my friends, they don't really understand what I do, right? Like it's just like what? Like that doesn't exist here. Like they don't really understand. And even if I look back, like, and this is this is part of the work that every EDNI professional needs to do at some point or we should be doing every single day. Is I had to reflect And the way that I was brought up and raised. And I was socialized and raised with a lot of biases and stereotypes. And a lot of stereotypes were very racist. So, those are the things that I need to break down and try to identify in myself so I can, you know, not try to embed those biases in the work that I do. So, when I do work with and for Argentina, I try to bring the conversation to a level that, yes, is uncomfortable for me and for anyone that is working with me, but that also pushes the conversation forward. Yeah. And I I came to the realization that a lot of people are not going to like me and that's, that's completely fine. And uh, there is nothing that I can do about it. And when I do work here in the United States and for the United States, It is also interesting, because as we were talking right before we started recording, um, Latin America is not a monolith, right? And every country has their own identity, and every country, country, I mean, we all speak Spanish, but we all speak a different level and, and different type of Spanish, if you may. And then you also have the Latin American community here in the United States, so maybe first generation. Mm -hmm. So the understanding and the knowledge and the roots that we have sometimes is different. So again, all of those things kind of push me forward in the work that I do, but it does take a lot of like pausing, reflecting, and realizing that my lived experiences, they might be very different to someone that was born raised here, or in a different country in Latin America as well.
1: Let's let's dig into that a little you bit,
2: know, Danny. I love that because yeah. I do. I, at first, I almost <laughs> thought like she was describing Iowa. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of similarities. Let's dig like into said. that. Yeah. So, so
1: you 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 grew up in Argentina, and I heard you say I was raised, uh, and I had these biases, and I, and some of those biases were were racist. I think this is important for listeners, particularly uh, American white listeners who are in positions of leverage who don't know how to break away or are afraid to break. What was, how did you break away? I mean, if you were engulfed in in this, this uh, upbringing of bias and racism, and you know that that is what you just said, your country is still that way. How did Danny break away? What was it?
0: Uh, I mean, again, I wish I could pinpoint like an exact moment. I want to say that, yes, when I moved here and I realized that, the little bubble and world where I was born and raised I mean was just like a tiny tiny little speck in in the Mm -hmm. world (laughs) that that definitely helped and of course like a lot of education right like for me like if if you follow me in in any of my social media channels you may know that I read a lot And I'm always trying to learn something new. I'm always taking like an online course and and try to learn and educate myself and every single thing that I can potentially do. So I want to say that that's basically what like broke me away from that. But also I wanted to do it, right? I think that the very first step, the the very first step is realizing that that's the way that you were raised. And the second step is, okay, like this isn't right like there is something that i need to do about it and you have to do the work right and the thing with doing that work is that is work that it can never stop it's not like yeah okay i read a book i watched a documentary like now i'm woke and you then you move on with your life like it is literally something that you need to do every single minute of every single like day of your life um So, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's 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 the way to do it. Yeah, that's the way to do as it. Nick, as you were yeah. saying,
1: Nick, when you said about Iowa, I hope this is where you was going because I'm thinking rural, urban, right? Yes. Like we have these conversations in America all the time that yeah. there are people in rural America who don't understand uh, the urban experience or black folks in general or what yeah. have you, and that's we have to be able to have that conversation because if that's their lived experience. If, but you were willing. You were saying it was a self-realization for you. I'm just wondering, how do we get more rural people to, to under to have yeah, more self-realization, and how do we get more urban people to have
2: patience? It's it's learning and communication. Right? I mean, yeah. that's 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 how we look at it, yeah. and, and ingraining it in everything you do. And it's still amazing that there's still people in our state of Iowa even that probably have never seen a person that looks like you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you never leave like the farm. I mean, do you we, never leave the town. Yeah.
1: I mean, we've talked to a lot of adults, you know, I've talked to Danny, I'd be curious of your experience coming to America. Cause I know I've talked to a lot of executives in Iowa and the Midwest who will tell me when I, it, if this is the conversation, it wasn't until I got to college Got to college yep, <laughs> that I right, saw somebody, right. Yep. right?
3: Exactly.
1: So. Do you hear that in your, hear in your, in your space?
3: Know. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, do you when you talk to to white executives, do you get those conversations, Danny?
0: I I do I do get those comments, and and I also got like that realization, like myself, right? And in in my case, again, like my country is not. I mean, maybe now it's a little bit more diverse. We are getting a little bit more immigration from some other countries. But mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and again, I, I brought up like I wouldn't say similar to rural america but i like kind of similar Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i i was born and raised in a very small like town and buenos aires which is the capital city but outside the city so again not not as diverse but the first time that i saw someone that wasn't like me i was 17 years old and i was out on vacation right and whenever i have those conversations with white executives or maybe like cisgender people and and talking about the lgbtq community or just like Mm -hmm. anything outside like anything that looks like them um these conversations come up a lot and i think that one of the things that kind of help connecting if you may is the fact that i can go ahead and tell them like you know what like you're not alone that happened to me as well like yes, a completely different country a completely different setting but it happens. So, what are you gonna do with that information now? Yeah. Like, like how are you moving forward from that
4: realization
1: now that you know? Right. So,
4: yeah, Danny, have you ever used that in those conversations? Because I, I think this is a great segue to my question too. Anthony was like, "How do you gauge from converse, having conversations with a company on an organizational level if they're ready to dive deeper or if?" They aren't ready to dive deeper because I know in our experience we've Mm -hmm. had both happen, right? We've had Mm -hmm. where we're like, we understand that there is a a um, that you're not there. You're talking to us because you're uh, you, you know your organization isn't there, right? And so we're not we're not pointing the finger at we're not any of those things because we appreciate that you're ready to do something. Like you said, that acknowledgement piece of okay, something's not right here what can I do? Mm-hmm. How can I work towards racial equity every single day? And equity in general, but in this moment we're co- talking about racial equity. Have you ran into that or how do you discern when someone is like, ah, they think they're ready, yeah. they might not be <laughs> you <know>. ready yet.
3: <laughs>
0: so there are a couple of things, and, and of course every situation is different, but there are a couple of things that I actually do. And, and one of them is I ask directly, like, mm-hmm. how, how ready are you to start doing whatever it is that you need to do like in some cases it's just like okay maybe we need to focus on increasing representation for your company maybe for some other companies just like doing the entire thing maybe some companies want to focus on equity and some of them on inclusion maybe they want to do everything but the very first question is how committed are you and they might not know the answer so whenever that happens i try to break it down for them because especially for executives normally when they hear the word like diversity equity and inclusion for whatever reason they focus only on the diversity part yes so yes. they go directly okay so we need we need to recruit more people of color and it is a yes and question right so yes it's it's that's something that you have to do like yes yes you didn't do that before let's not great let's not focus on that you do need to increase representation but in order for you to increase representation you need to change all of these systems you need to update all of these processes and all of these policies that you have in place are you ready to do this and when i say are you ready to do this i mean Do you have the resources? Mm -hmm. Do you have the budget? Because sometimes the work actually requires some money. (laughs) Do you have the team? (laughs) Show me your budget and
1: I'll show you your plan.
0: Exactly. So when you start breaking it down, you can actually see whether, "Mm, okay, this is something that I really want to do. I really feel about you on this and, and yes, let's do it. Or whether they were thinking about it more from a performative point of view, or maybe they were just not as informed about what diversity and inclusion is and they were only thinking about the diversity piece and as a professional that does this work like I'm not gonna lie sometimes this part is very taxing right like one would assume that at this point like we all understand like this is something that we need to do we need to fix like centuries of discrimination and biases and stereotypes and and racism and all of that but that's not what happens in reality. So yeah. it, it is sometimes for a for professional professionals about like finding the balance mm-hmm. as well and, and knowing how much to push because if you really realize that the other person is not ready and when I say the other person, I really mean like the executive, like the person making all of the decisions and signing all of the budgets and approving everything that they need to approve. Then there is a different conversation or a different like type of solution that you mm-hmm. might find, and sometimes is maybe this company's not ready yet.
1: Yeah,
2: how do how do but you get just, to the next level then? So you know you know they want to do it, right? Or at least they say they want to do it. They kind of showing that they're doing it. How do you how do we get them convinced? Because we see a lot in our country where where you'll see yeah we're diverse, and you look at their entry level positions and they are <laughs> until you start moving up levels. And then it gets less, 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 less. How do we get organizations to understand that part too? That you have to make the decision makers diverse and work out all the way up to the top.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's also a tough one, right? Um, I think start I mean, I know that a lot of AD and I professionals will tell you, yeah, we need to like build a strong business case. And yes, I hear that. I don't necessarily love. I'm not trying to hear that, about, thank you. I'm not trying to case. hear that
1: anymore, yes. yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. you.
0: Yes. Like, w- w- why, I mean, I get it, yes, like business leaders, they wanna have like a business case, they want to understand like what is the return of investment, but we're past that conversation, like that, that shouldn't be happening anymore, but unfortunately some business leaders will ask yes. for that information, so whenever that happens, What I try to do is put together as much data as I can and build a story around that data that shows them exactly what is it that they're missing out on, right? Because it's, yes, I mean, you could be gaining a lot, but... For some business leaders, it's about like what you're missing out on. You're missing out on attracting talent. You're missing out and selling your product to the audience that you want. You're missing out on retaining your talent. And it's instead of saying, like, you know what, like, if you were gonna do this, like, you are gonna be able to hire more people or whatever that is. And for whatever reason, and that's like human psychology, I'm not a psychologist. Sometimes when you phrase right. it differently, it actually works. Yeah, it's a, And you're saying the exact same yeah. thing.
1: It's yeah, a that, phrasing, yeah, it's a, in, in, how do you phrase
2: it? Well, they focus on the dollars and cents, the ROI. Yes.
1: And so when next year the dollars right. and cents aren't there, the, the, the
2: plan didn't yeah. work. Or, or we have, we yeah. have a, another company we work with a lot that actually certified us, how we're certified. And they were the first ones to say that when when the process is working, things will get worse before they get better. Right. People will be more comfortable making complaints and more comfortable saying things. And it might be a little bit where, oh, it's kind of painful for the organization. But then, boom. And so, you can't see that in data. You can't see that in the, just the yeah. dollars and cents numbers.
1: So, Danny, I, I want to switch gears kind of a little bit. Um, yeah. You mentioned in Argentina uh, when yeah. growing up and we talked about diversity there when Joy asked you what it was like and you said it was more gender. We know what America is. race dominates the diversity discussion for a very good reason and it should let's just be uh, I mean that's yeah. Anthony errington's opinion. We know the the dark history of this country um, but let's be honest. I look at you you come you, you come to America you got you know brown hair, you have brown skin, pale skin, you know you look like a typical white woman in America. I do. <laughs> Let's just be honest how how has that impacted you in this work? Do you get asked questions about that? Do you, when do executives say, "You know what? You're a white woman and how do you describe?" Well, I'm not, me, I'm a, I'm I know, I am I'm not Latina. Gonna, <laughs> and
4: I was going to say to me you I, I would have known you were I would have guessed that you were of uh, but I, was, I probably because I've worked in the environment so I know yeah. that there is such a wide array the spectrum when when you come when it comes to people from Latin American countries, from Central America, South America, that it, 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 like, because to me, I see it. (laughs) But I (laughs) I, I would bet if you were in Iowa, most people probably wouldn't see it. And I would, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I wouldn't
1: say that I don't see it. You're right, Joy. But I'm talking about the average Joe on the street. Don't see you as Latina. (laughs) And certainly not the average uh, white CEO when you walk into their office, unless they researched right. you. So how do you leverage that? Or how is it a a, a, hurdle, a barrier for you?
0: So it's interesting, right? Because I get, I think I get like different levels of the conversation. I do get the ones that were not, like the ones I have an idea on, or a stereotype of what a Latina woman looks like. Mm-hmm. And then I show up and they're like, all confused they, they don't really know what to do with me <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's that's one part of the conversation and then they actually start asking me questions like but were you really born there like all of those like questions are like yeah like we we wow. not i mean we don't look the same like they're <laughs> they're asian yeah. argentinians out there they're black argentinians like there is literally like in latin america it's again it's not a monolith mm-hmm. so that's that's one piece of the conversation the other comments that i get is like similar but not really is like they kind of assume that i'm like a again between a millionaire quotes like a regular white woman and then i kind of show up and i and i bring like all of these ideas and and again they don't really know what to do with me because they mm-hmm. were not necessarily expecting a white woman yeah. to break it down for them in the way that i do and to call them out and to call them in so that's like confusing for them and then i do get the other comments that are like okay but why are you doing ed and i if you are white which i completely understand and that's that's a conversation that i actually love having right because yes i am clearly i'm I'm white i'm paper white
1: no, 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 I'm no. And I'm also you're, you're, no, Nick's paper look, look pretty compared to
2: the <laughs> next right. I'm, I'm translucent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: <laughs> there you go. There is there is different levels. And I'm also an immigrant. Yeah. And I'm also yeah. like so so many other things that I I do have clearly a lot of privileges that come with the color of my skin. But then if there are some other privileges that, unfortunately, I don't. Right, have. and that's that's also the life of an immigrant here in the United States. And then, if you compare, like myself, with other white women, like I, I sometimes don't really belong in those groups, or I feel like I don't belong, right? Because even when having conversations around like salary or transparency or getting promoted and all of those things, I might not really fall. Into to that particular group. And I'm considered Latina. So again, it really depends on like what the conversation is about, but mm-hmm. whatever we are talking about, ED and I education is, it's interesting to see the faces.
2: <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Actually, we don't, you know, we're in a meeting and I'll say something that, you know, they look at me like, Oh, you're one of us. You're going to talk. You're you're, you're just going to, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. As, I remember we went to a conference uh, that I think Joy had set up with her, with her cousin. And, you know, a white man comes out and he goes. I'm not telling you anything they haven't told you. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the privilege is it's. But you got to
1: know it's it there. Is there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. We fully it recognize it, yeah. and we right. and we fully embrace it. And we I, I, at top rank here, we, we leverage it with no apologies. Yeah. So. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's
0: that's what you have to do, right? right? If you have it, you use it like you leverage it, and, right. and you use it to like to speak up and and do things that maybe some other people are not having the opportunity to do, yeah. and then you pass the mic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to a LinkedIn post. Boy, oh, this is a discussion yeah. about a year ago that you had kind of approached. And it was interesting. I mean, it was not all positives on the other side either. And I think we deal a lot. We were talking about about generational terms and how, why words matter. And I believe you you brought the topic of latine as a word yes. and use, right? So, so um, I'm sure you probably, you probably have a little uh, trauma from that, that post still just because it was a lot of like, <laughs> some way out <laughs> comments right oh. and uh you know why why that matters Why well, i mean why and even within your own community i mean latin latino latin you hear you hear Latinx people fighting because you know because that whole lgbtq part thrown in and how do you navigate that and and where are we at with that now because with that with that because that posters like i said it was it was uh <laughs> it was an interesting <laughs> some interesting comments
0: yeah, i i love i love talking about it and honestly like and, and this is something that I do with every topic. Like, yes, of course, as an ED&I professional, there is a certain level of like patience and understanding that you have to have. But there are topics that I don't really have the patience for. So yes. if someone is going to be openly racist or homophobic, I don't have time for that. So I'm going to like shut it down yep. immediately. And that's something that happened with that post. And whenever I talk about like Latina or Latinx or Latino, Latino or Hispanic. So to summarize so basically my my community has a lot of different words that we use to describe ourselves so it really depends on who you ask they're going to tell you something different so hispanic for instance i don't necessarily love that's a word that was coined by the US government when no. they were trying to do a census they they try to push everyone together but the problem with hispanic is that we are not acknowledging anyone that doesn't speak spanish so all of the native populations in latin america um the people of haiti the people of brazil they don't really speak spanish so they don't really fall under the hispanic category right Mm.
3: um
0: and then we also have to think about spanish as a language is inherently biased because it's gendered it's inherently gendered so the word The word for table is female and the word for book is male. Like there is no rhyme or reason to it. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. So for a Latino woman, it would be Latina. For a man, it would be Latino. So that's that's kinda okay. Like kind of kind of works out. However, we are not thinking about our non-binary and transgender siblings when we are talking about Latino and Latin F. So something mm-hmm. that happens, I want to say, I was I was very young, like in, in the very like very beginning of the internet days and then the chat rooms. So something that we used to do back in the day when we wanted to be inclusive, we used to use like the uh, at symbol, so Latin and the at symbol. Yeah. So it worked in writing, but it didn't really work when you wanted to say that out loud. There, there is... That cannot be spoken right, aloud. Right. There is no way to say that word. So I want to say that maybe five years or seven years went by and we kind of started using the X mm-hmm. instead of the at symbol. So it became letting X which is easy to pronounce here in english in the united states but it's not easy to pronounce in spanish and in spanish would be something like latinex which is it's very long like it's mm-hmm. it's not something that like we would use <clears throat> so a couple of years ago well i don't want to say like a couple of years ago but maybe five years ago something that started happening in argentina actually is we started to use we tr- we started to change the x to an E so yep. Latin a Latina, which is actually like we have words in Spanish that end in a, so it's something that already exists in that language, and something that we can that we can kind of all agree on, if you may. However, with that said, there are a lot of people out there that identify as Latin X, and that is completely fine. That is a valid identity, and we should all be respecting that. However, within my community, which Again, going back to the fact that Spanish itself is very biased and is gendered and all of that. And there are like all of these other stereotypes that my community has against the uh, LGBTQ community. And again, like issues with gender and machismo and all of that. Like people in Latin America, in certain communities within the Latina community here in the United States, completely despise the word Latinx. And they will let you know. They they will let you know very loudly. Um and that for me is is dangerous again because we are denying someone's identity, right? Um but yeah, I mean So how would you looking, so looking back Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. What I was going to say, like a lot of people now are using Latin A, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there are people out there that are using Latin X or maybe Hispanic
3: still.
1: Right. So I, I guess to kind of put a bow on that, like, so what would you tell listeners how to identify the Latin A or Latin X community? My, my answer would be be vulnerable. It's okay to understand in some communities you may get called yeah. out for that and accept that not as an attack on you, but... That there's different A learning moment. There's learning moment and there's different languages for different communities or different areas of the world.
2: Well, like like just now. I mean, I always thought it was Latin right. from
1: reading it, but it's
2: Latine. So what would you that. what would okay. you say?
1: How would you tell uh, executives or or folks to identify the community?
0: Yeah, so I usually go like Again, it really depends what context, right? Because the, the post that Nick was talking about was actually focused on the advertising community mm-hmm. because that they were mm-hmm. like, so I broke it down. Don't to be many, stealing my next like, question, though. Generations, <laughs> right? Okay, so we, we can we can talk about that. But for executives, I usually go with Latina because that's what what my community has been using lately. Gotcha. However, I do let them know, when there is a caveat there, and I always say don't be afraid to ask Mm -hmm. like if if you're talking to someone and you're not sure if you're using the right word if you're not like in the same way that you would ask someone how to pronounce their name properly that's something that we can do with the way that we identify ourselves and it doesn't have like it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation i understand that for many people could be um but what if you get it wrong like what's going to happen? Nothing. Right. Like the other person is going to tell you, hey, you know what? Like I actually go by Latino and that's fine. Yep. You move
4: on. Yeah. My my daughter always, she, my oldest, she says, "Um, you know, it, it's okay. It's almost a courtesy to ask people, you know, how do you right. want to show up in this conversation? Like how do you want me to address you? It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. And, exactly. And, and, and I think, that's even happening in the the black community too because you have people that are still some people are okay by going by african-american some people are like nope i'm not african black american some people are like black and then also the interesting thing is if if i'm an immigrant if i'm a black immigrant a lot of times i may not even identify because race race is a construct right so i may say oh I'm, i'm i'm south african like or oh i'm whatever have you and so the best way I think is to, to ask I yes. don't think people, yeah. you know, really yeah. get offended by just "Hey, you." Well, know.
2: it's not much different. It shouldn't be much different. It is, but it shouldn't be much different than asking someone how to pronounce their name.
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what Daniel was saying. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, yeah, it should just be that simple. I mean, it's, and, and I've, I don't think I've ever seen anyone truly upset by being asked now if they get asked five times by the same person, maybe, or if right. they keep messing it yeah. up, that's a different issue. But
1: so, as, as experts, we're, we're all in this space. Of, we all do this work. So, so Danny, from your view, what do you do, What do you say to those individuals who say, and I know this happens. Why do we have to worry about the she, he? You know, why do you know? I get. I, I'm not a. I I I understand, Nick. You want to be called that, but why why do we have to worry about that? What I mean, can't we just call you Nick like we always have? What do you say, Danny?
0: All right, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story and I wouldn't recommend doing this like always I I only did it once because we were having a conversation and this person wouldn't get it but it wasn't the fact that this person wouldn't get it because they they didn't understand you could really see that they didn't really want to get it Right, and and the whole conversation was about just having the conversation and making a point. So we were having about this conversation about like gender identity and pronouns, and this person was like, "Yeah, but you know what? Like, they, them, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not grammatically correct." And and this person refused a hundred percent to like to at least be open to having that conversation. And as you were saying, it's just like, why do we need to do this? Like, why things are changing? So we went over the conversation and the explanation and and the information like many times there were other people in the room as well and you could see that the conversation wasn't wasn't going anywhere Mm -hmm. and it was actually making other people uncomfortable and there were people that used they they pronouns in the room that were very were very like very very uncomfortable for that situation so and again i don't recommend doing this I did it only once because I really needed to prove a point with this person so what I did is just I randomly started to use the wrong pronouns with this person and I started addressing this person with a completely wrong name Mm -hmm. so I was like as she was saying Juan and this person clearly wasn't Juan and then at some point he actually got it he understood that we were actually talking about someone's identity and that we were not talking about a preference, or something that someone would do to make someone I don't know, like uncomfortable, or right. just to be complicated, or to like attention-seeking. Because those are those are the like the conversations we yeah. usually so, yeah, get. Like, yeah, people are trying to like seek attention and all of that. So again, I don't recommend doing this ever often. Um, this was a safe space and again, I really needed to prove a point because there were people that were like being hurt about right. how the conversation was was taking place. So
4: I like usually
0: that. what I do is yeah. I, I mean <laughs> again it's it's a little radical. Right. I mean, again, I wouldn't have been doing it often. Um, but again, I mean you can sometimes sometimes it does take a radical solution yeah. right? because you you can go over, the information, all the education, all the data, you can, you can show videos, you, you can let them know, like, you can do everything that you can do. And sometimes, and again, sometimes people don't really get it, because they they don't, and right. they need to do a little bit more work on yeah. themselves. yeah. But there are people that actually don't really want to get it, right? And again, as we were saying before, like sometimes I lose patience.
3: Yep,
2: yep. <laughs> so that we I, all do. I, boy, we got so many questions. As we always say, we need yeah. to do a part two of this. Yeah, um, we got to get to our listener. Yeah. Questions. My big question though was going to be about marketing and the branding and everything we see out there. But go to go to follow her on LinkedIn. Follow Danny on LinkedIn, and she, her, all her her. You have a newsletter, and you have all kinds of information. It's yeah. just such awesome material. And, yeah. uh, please, please make sure you, you check Absolutely. her out there. Absolutely. Um, so our listener question, and and I know we've talked about this too, Danny, um, mm-hmm. is actually from Linda up in Waterloo, which is just up the road from us. Up where actually where Joy's at up in her neck I of the, the woods. And, uh, her question is, you know, we always, we want to have keynotes and people come speak at our, our events. Um, mm-hmm. but I get a lot of pushback about, you know, how do I pay someone? And I know you have a unique situation. So, yeah. so could you maybe talk maybe answer a question about how your unique situation is but also in general because we're always big proponents too It's like got the paying. question yeah you know you want to have someone come from keynotes and she, she's right. getting pushed back on like you know you need to pay people you need to take care of them and and how do I go about doing that and what's what's oh, the right way to do it right gotcha and I know you have a unique okay. situation as well that is different from anything else that we see um yeah. you know if you could yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. answer a question there
0: Sure. So what I would say is whenever you're bringing in an expert, could be a speaker, a consultant, whatever it is, I mean, you... And again, it really depends on how big your company is mm-hmm. or if it's like only your little tiny company, it's only you and another person. But you do have to make an effort to compensate the expert for their knowledge, their time, their effort, whatever it is. And that could take... A lot of shape or forms yes usually and hopefully you can actually pay that person and that would be ideal however as as nick was saying like sometimes unfortunately speakers like me we cannot charge and in my cases because of my visa status in some other cases it could be maybe someone has a disability and if they get extra extra income they might lose some of the benefits that they have so there's so many other different situations out there that we need to consider but the very first step as a company should always be offered to compensate the person for their time their knowledge and their effort so say that you cannot pay them you, you literally can't like your company is only you and another person you don't have any budget there are certain things that you can do to compensate the other person's time anyway. You can offer to uh, share that webinar with bigger companies that can actually hire that person and actually pay mm-hmm. them for their time. You can use the time to um, to market whatever it is that they have ongoing. Maybe it's like their website or their podcast or whatever that is. Um, you can offer them a discount on the products that mm-hmm. you sell or the platform that you have um again there's so many ways of course the the ideal way to pay someone is with money but assuming that you simply can't or that the other person can't take a money payment there's always something that you can do something Mm -hmm. that i do for instance is i ask for donations in my name instead so again there's there's always something that we can do about it yep
2: so you have done some keynotes correct i believe i recently yeah. did one so do they at least pay for your travel can they do that even or how's that work I mean, for you i
0: mean i mean if if we wanted to do it if the if the if the company wanted to do it yes that's something that we can but you know lately like everything is is virtual so that's completely fine and anything that is local i mean i do it myself that's completely fine there is always something that they give me like i don't know like a t-shirt or something like that i mean they're fine um but lately everything is virtual so it kind of works out for everybody
1: gotcha i think the lesson there is pay pay, pay us for our work <laughs> however you yeah, can 100% I mean, pay us well, it doesn't have, to be, yeah. doesn't have to be money pay either yeah. compensate I like that compensate, compensate. for the work
0: exactly yes. compensate
3: yes. someone yes.
1: for their work and time yeah. Yep. yeah well Danny we are nearing the end of our show uh, as we say to every guest we could talk <laughs> all day we could talk <laughs> all day yep. but this is about you and about Danny. So, I want to make sure before we close out, is there anything that we haven't talked about? Is there any lesson or anything you want to share with our listeners uh, around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging that would be impactful as we close out?
0: Yeah, something very, very short. Like, it doesn't really matter where you are in your ADI journey. I want to say that one of the most important things is like truly being intentional about the efforts that you want to make and being intentional about your journey if you realize that there is something that you don't know like okay you realize that do something about it to fix that situation and then keep that intentionality going with everything that you do so great yeah,
1: great, great awesome sweet. <laughs> well thank you thank you so much Joy Take yeah. us out here yes no, thank you, thank so, you much.
4: so much, Danny. This has been so good. Again, I love it. I love these conversations. This is a unique one too, in that we even got to yeah. dive across how how this energy is showing up in other countries and your experience, and then coming here and how you use your experience to relate with executives of large country or, or companies and things of that nature. So we've covered so many so many gems. I'm just so, so excited about this. yeah, <laughs> yes. so many yeah. things. So. We want to thank you again for joining us today. We just so appreciate your time. Um, and again, also thanking our sponsors, Community Savings Bank, Tyler Lincoln Barnes, and of course, our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, and also our silver diversity sponsor, PG Cares. Yes. And if you have any more questions or comments or suggestions, feel free to contact us at info at topranktalentsolutions.com.
1: Great, great, special thanks to our listeners as well. We couldn't do this without you. So hope you enjoyed Danny today. She she gave you an earful at, or a visual full on the video. So we hope you enjoyed the conversation today. And we, we appreciate our time. So uh, keep an eye on our next episode, keep an eye on this one, and, and continue to watch Breaking Barriers as we, as we continue to move forward. Yep. Thank you so much for your time, thank Danny. Yeah, thank you, Danny. Danny. Keep Breaking thank Barriers.
4: This one. This one, Danny is awesome. <laughs> You're
1: awesome. Everybody follow Danny all night. Yes,
2: definitely.
4: There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.